0: Good morning and welcome to Asia Pacific Currents. You're listening to Community Radio 3CR. I'm Giselle Hanna. I'm James Barry. We're taking you through to 9.30 this morning. It is Saturday the 27th of May, the last Saturday in May. Uh, The year is pushing on Um, uh, Australia, Asia... uh, Asia Pacific Currents is brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. If you want to get in touch with us you can find us on the web or the We're on Facebook and Twitter so look us up on those social media platforms but you can also drop us an email to aawl at www.aawl.org.au Coming up in the second part of the show, Will, uh, I did an interview with um, Junior Lek Yimpraset last night about the outcome of the Thai elections. For those of you who don't know, um, Lek, our comrade Lek, uh, is a Thai activist in exile in Finland and Some of the new developments in Thailand, though it is a bit of a wait and see situation, may very well mean she can return to Thailand after over 10 years in exile. So that is the story in the second part of the show. But we will go straight into news from around the region. And, James, I'm kicking off this morning with um, uh, the story, the an update on the Naga World leaders. So for those of you who haven't been following this, a real blow to that campaign, a really outrageous development that uh, we need to really start organising around. But um, the Naga World workers and union leaders were... Ultimately convicted and imprisoned for those um, organising offences on Thursday in Cambodia, eight workers and the leader of the labour rights supported union RLSU were convicted of incitement to commit a felony or disturb social security. As punishment for the Naga World casino strike, RLSU leader Chim Sitar was sentenced to two years in prison, while the others received 18 months suspended. In 2021, Naga World laid off more than 1,300 workers, mostly union members, citing a drop in revenue due to the COVID pandemic. The RLSU led strike action with their leader Sitar being violently arrested by plainclothes Police during a demonstration in January last year. She was later released on bail but returned to prison shortly after when she defied the Cambodian government by speaking about the strike at an international labour movement conference, which was actually the um, I took conference here in Australia. The Cambodian government, which is due to hold elections in July, sided with Naga World from the beginning and has been instrumental in crushing the strike. This is part of the government general crackdown on dissent, which includes the banning of the main opposition party from running candidates in July's election.
2: To Australia now, where Indigenous workers have launched a class class action to recover stolen wages. A class action has been launched in Western Australia to seek millions of dollars in compensation from the state government for the close to 14,000 Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander workers who were employed as cheap labour, mostly in farming and pastoralism, between 1936 and 1972. During this time, state legislation allowed the government to rent Indigenous people to farmers, uh, pastoralists and native school management to work for little pay, and up to 75% of their pay was kept from the workers by the state in trust accounts. This class action mirrors similar legal cases in other Australian states, which have been forcing the state and former employees, employers to pay wages owed to these workers or their descendants – Western Australia has offered insufficient compensation in the past, and a recent news report uncovered that one employer alone owes more than Australian $63 million to former workers.
0: And a follow-up on a story we covered last week regarding the uh, Korean Construction Workers Rally. Well, President Yoon of South Korea has criticised the Korean Confederation of Trade Unions in a tirade at a government cabinet meeting on Tuesday. Yun, who has been using every means at his disposal to prosecute not only union leaders but also rank-and-file members, was angry at a two-day rally held last week by the Korean Construction Workers' Union, in which union members camped out in the centre of Seoul, preventing commuters from entering the city for two days and calling for the resignation of the president in front of the presidential palace. The rally had been organised after a Korean um, Construction Workers Union member committed suicide on May Day after being indicted on trumped-up charges as part of Yoon's campaign. In his tirade, Yoon dismissed the relevance of the constitutional right for Koreans to freely gather and demonstrate, saying that the actions of the KCWU were illegal as they infringed on other people's freedoms, and he called for the police to take action.
2: To Pakistan now, where government, la- government labourers have gone on strike. The All-Sawat Class 4 Employees Union went on strike on Wednesday in Pakistan's Sawat Valley, calling for a 200% pay rise to match the cost of living. Class 4 workers are government government-employed labourers and field workers in Pakistan. As in many parts of the Asia-Pacific, Pakistan has experienced a massive growth in the cost of living through the combination of the effects of the COVID pandemic and the Ukraine war. While inflation sits at about 35% in the country, in rural areas it's well above 40%, and as high as 50% in some areas, which is especially noticeable in food prices. The union said that the cost of food, coupled with the cost of other basic necessities, including medicine, had caused the cost of living to skyrocket to 200% in the Sawat Valley, which is a mountainous region near the Afghan border. The workers were also protesting to bring attention to corruption, which was allowing illegal logging in state forests in the valley. The strike comes on the back of other government worker action in April, which was against attempts by the government to reduce pensions by 35%.
0: And in the Philippines, one of the trade unions there has slammed government inaction on one of their delegates' murder. Following up on another story we brought you in recent weeks, uh, the All-Philippine Trade Union, the APTU, has criticised the government this week for failing to live up to its promise to properly investigate the murder of at least 69 trade unionists from April, April 2016 until the present. In particular, the recent brutal killing of Alex Dolorosa, a delegate for the BPO Industry Employees Network, highlighted how the use of slander and red-tagging, which just means labelling political enemies as communists, was costing lives across the country. These killings, the APTU argued, are the reason why the Philippines has entered the International Confederation of Trade Unions' top 10 list for the worst places to be a worker. Dolorosa's murder gained international attention with the US State Department issuing a statement condemning the killing, focusing on him being an LGBTIQ activist as well as a trade unionist. The APTU said uh, that while the government has been publicly backing attempts to hold an independent inquiry into the murders of trade unionists, behind the scenes they're quietly blocking these initiatives.
2: Finally to Fiji, where the new government has reinstated the Great Council of Chiefs. On Wednesday, Fiji's government, led by Prime Minister Sitiveni Rambuka, reinstated the institution of the Great Council of Chiefs, 16 years after coup leader and former Prime Minister Voronge Frank Bainimarama dissolved the council as a racist institution. The GCC was created by the British Colonial Administration in 1876 as a way of formally separating Italkai, or indigenous Fijians, from Indian indentured workers by implementing a system where all land was owned and leased by Italkai chiefs. When Rambuka first came to power in the 1987 coup on on an anti-Indo-Fijian platform, the GCC was used by his government to control the Senate. After the 2006 coup, Bainimarama dissolved the GCC as part of his stated intention to remove race from the constitution. After Wednesday's announcement, the GCC wasted no time in reinstating the land lease system abolished after the 2006 coup. Rambuka was elected last year. And is seen as a pro-US leader in contrast to his predecessor, who is now on trial for corruption, uh, who was in open do- dialogue with China. Uh, just to give some context to that, so the former foreign minister and former prime minister of, uh, of Fiji, who, are, um, who lost the election in December, are both on trial now. Uh, uh, similarly, under Bainimarama, he also prosecuted opposition. So this is nothing out of the ordinary, but it's something that's not getting much media attention. <laughs>
0: Well, that does bring us to the end of news from around the region. We're going to go to some community announcements and then our feature interview for the morning. 3CR's annual Radiathon fundraiser launches in June. We need your financial support to be independent, community-controlled and focused on people rather than profits.
1: Your support during Radiathon keeps the station radical and enables us to give voice to hundreds of people and issues for another year.
2: And remember, any amount you can afford makes a big difference and all donations over $2 are tax-deductible.
1: 3CR
0: Radiathon, show your support during... June 2023, 3CR. Stay tuned, stay radical.
1: The Social Change Library is an online collection of educational resources for those campaigning for social change. It collects, curates and distributes the key lessons and resources of progressive movements around Australia and across the globe. The library includes over 500 resources covering campaign strategy, community organising, activist history, digital campaigning, diversity and inclusion and much, much more. It's free to access the library, so check out the collection at www.commonslibrary.org. Common Social Change Library is a 3CR supporter.
2: Hi, this is Mitchell from Cut Copy, and you're listening to 3CR. Please support Community Radio. Subscribe now.
0: 13 minutes past nine o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. This is Asia Pacific Currents with James and Giselle. Coming up now is my interview with Lek, excuse me, Lek, Yimpraset. Lek is an activist who is in exile in Finland. She's a Thai activist. Most of her work um, relates to the democracy movement. She set up a group called Um uh, AC for Dem, which uh, translates to a, dem- a democracy movement in in Thailand. It's the reason that she can't return to the country. She's campaigned against the Lesma Majestés laws, against the monarchy, and attempts to hold the king in particular to account for his crimes against humanity. But of course, the Thai elections that happened last week uh, delivered a victory to the opposition group. and There is a lot of hope in the country that things might be different. Here is that interview. So the opposition yep. party, the Move Forward party, emerged as the largest party in the lower house of parliament after Thailand's general election last week, last Sunday. Why is this significant?
1: I, I think this is kind of like a unexpected and surprise and uh, fearful <laughs> for for Thai people, because we wouldn't imagine before that this uh, result like you know would out this way, and that move forward party, uh, which uh, in the polls like even before the election was like a cell uh, of so four largest party that would win, but at the end they come first. So yeah, I think it's uh, kind of like a very positive light. For many of the people in Thailand, I think it's not just for Thailand, but I think for all of the democratic countries uh, in ASEAN and in a lot of world as well.
0: Does this mean that the Move Forward Party is going to form government or is there more processes from here?
1: Then they start forming the government uh, and they already signed uh, Mem- memorandum of understandings with uh, eight uh, parties, which was former opposition to the dictatorship by youth governments, you know. And so they already signed the MOU. Uh, discussions are now going on about like, you know, what it's the coalition's government will be look like. They all agree to nominate uh, Pithar Lim Chelen, the leader of Move Forward Party, to be a third minister of Thailand. So that's that today now. But lots of hiccup along the ways, you know, that is, that's why now I'm very active in Twitter, you know, for post comments on the political situation in Thailand, yeah. So
0: part of why this is so significant is it's the... First non-military government since the 2014 coup. How do you explain the turnaround in um, society in the in the Thai um, populace that this has happened?
1: It's not just uh, like becoming the first government, you know, to win after the 2016 2016 military coup. It's just that uh, these move forward parties is, is kind of like a new generation of political uh, or politicians, uh, how to say, uh, of uh, people, the politicians uh, movement. in this like young, they compose a lot of activists, trade unionists, and young uh, generations of uh, professionals in all aspects. So in that sense, um it's kinda of like a new uh, it's new finance uh that Thailand they will never have such uh groups that have diverse in terms of the backgrounds and in terms of the the uh, professionals and also represents uh, different sectors in the societies. The the labour wings also very strong, you know, so that it's kinda of like a one of the very Uh, strength of the move forward party is coming from the labor labor sectors like trade unionist sector as well
0: well that's a really good point that you made because um -hmm. forward party is being seen as progressive uh partly because it is standing up for workers rights but there's another argument that says that's opportunistic and that the move forward party really isn't that progressive uh they just took the opportunity to um, make progressive policies to win the election but really they are a business party a laissez-faire um economic party like all the others
1: mm, no i think i think in the look because people never see in uh the kind of like a political parties that carry on a left uh, agenda before. Yet in that, but for me, when we look at it and see it, and I just shared today on my Facebook of one of the work that the parties promised to immediately, uh, uh, what you call this process, is they're going to push through 45 drafts of uh, labor, uh, of acts and laws that actually one of the, uh, if they do that, you know, it will really st- uh, change uh, a lot of the, what you call it, uh, dominance uh, dominations of the uh, bullock and the uh, elite in the Thai society. So yeah, it's, they, they they did prove that they are not just kind of like a uh, yuppie, uh, snobby young people who does not work. For the past four years, they actually working with different uh, sectors of the society, the trade unions, uh, the land movement, uh, the indigenous movements, the youth, you know, for the and the environmental groups, you know. So they actually work and open up and prepare. So so now when they win the election, they already have some kind of like a realistic uh, agendas. Of 45 laws that need to be changed, and on, uh, like if you're working with the N- NGOs and uh, with the so- social sector, you know that these are the problems, uh, or the problematic laws in Thailand, and they are changing that for the labor sector. They are fixing the block that to make labor movement in Thailand, trade union in Thailand, become uh, progressive. They have, uh, we propose to change these two laws, which is Labor Relation Act and Labor Protection Act, and I look at it today, and they are acceptable and they are good, you know. So, so in that sense, I, we see that they they are prepared and they are not going to just giving kind of like empty promise, but they already they have several practical plans of what they are going to do.
0: Well, is amongst the laws that they're going to reform the Les
1: majeste laws. Uh, but, yeah, one of the strong aspects which we hope that they can uh, now in Thailand they have a hot uh, issue now because uh, move forward parties is known for provocative in term of like uh, about the monarchy institutions about the uh, fixing the not just the Les majeste law. But also the National Security Act, the uh, Computer Crime Acts, and those who have been used as a tool to silence the populations. Actually, they have eleven uh, drafts of laws that would change. Uh, in uh, that would uh, that they need to propose change. Which this will eliminate a lot of the interventions of the police and the military in the freedom of expressions of the people uh also unless majesty you know if this law is shared, the restrictions of how the law can be freely used by anyone like now will be shared into the hands of the of of the loyal you know of the loyal households be you the know, one who is responsible so yes uh those those are something and they are now facing a big uh challenge because the elite the definitely the palace involved and the military try to stop or prevents the move forward party to be taking the positions of the chairpersons of the uh, parliament, you know? Uh, so that is a big debate that we have been going on in two, three days now in Thailand to try to, uh, what do you call it? Fight against the elite uh, uh, militarists or the loyalists. And uh even the Pur Thai party, the second largest political party the with election also try to propose that they are the chair of the parliament, which we don't trust. That's why people have been uh, provocatively and articulately to say why Move Forward Party must be the chair of the parliament because they know that if only we Move Forward Party that uh, can open the floor uh, for changes in the kind of like a traditional uh, uh, governance or traditional parliament's procedure into... Uh, accommodate more new uh, proposals and new ideas and respect uh, and this kind uh of like what do you call it, a, not to just speak to protocols and you cannot talk with the king or anything, but to open up for all kinds of uh, changes that are uh, presented by the representative of the people.
0: Well, we'll come back to the king in a minute, but I want to ask you, Yeah. Is it amongst the proposals then to reform the Les Majeste laws, the cyber libel laws, all of the laws that are being used to um, suppress dissent and resistance to repression, um, in addition to that, will they be releasing all the people that ha- are currently in prison under those laws? Have they said anything about releasing the prisoners?
1: Yeah, they have this in the yeah among the eleventh uh, draft. The the number eleven is they are going to come out with the app of the uh, immunity Act, you know, to immunity, Im, uh, to imu- what do you call that immunity apps uh, regarding of the political prisoners. So they have that, but then with the the oppo the the block or the opposition uh, they will got to implement this is that uh, the more loyalists, you know, the generals who are still in the parliament will block them from impunity to the less majestic, like, you know, the uh, less Majesty political prisoner, because they regard less majesty as not political prisoner. I think this is something to be debated, but from what we see, the move forward party involved, you know, include less majesty prisoners or those who are uh, being charged or made to be exile because of less majesty under this immunity act that they are going to propose.
0: So, what does that mean for you, Leck? Are you going to finally be able to return to Thailand?
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, this is one of the first. um. Actually, to be honest, this is one of the first time I feel that, wow, like uh, the chance to go back to Thailand might be uh, feasible, you know, in the past, I never think about that. But this is also not something that uh, I will decide. So because I have some missions that I'm doing now in Finland and in Germany. So even though there is a, there is a lift or and cancel of or less marketing charges against any people, I still... Uh, Stay in in Europe and in Germany, uh, you know, to uh, continue with the work that I'm doing in Germany. Yeah, particularly we try to get the legal procedure that's prosecute the King of Thailand uh, for his crimes against the humanities for his crimes that you know. so many crimes that he did, particularly crimes uh, against the communities, the conspiracies, uh, involvement of the disappearance and assassinations, so many of political exiles some of those. It's really, really difficult works and I, I'm not sure you know, that I will succeed, but this is some missions that I want to do to help Thai people and, and so to make sure that even the king have to be uh, like, you know, well, be able to prosecute it if he did something wrong.
0: That was Junya Lek Yimpraset talking about the outcome of the Thai election. And of course, while there is a lot to be hopeful about, uh, it is still a long road before some of the changes being promised um, by the opposition party that is now the leading party can come into effect. Of course, there is still the struggle of negotiating with the other parties on the floor to get the votes, to get the numbers, to push through some of these legislative reforms. And... Without wanting to be a pessimist, of course, there is always the looming threat of a military coup in Thailand. But, um, certainly cause for a celebration because the people of Thailand really did, um, vote with their feet in relation to Les Majesté laws, cost of living, living, uh, and union and labour rights, which is what, um, the, uh, the opposition party, um, campaigned around. But that does bring us to the end of the show. It's 28 minutes past nine o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. This is Asia Pacific Currents. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next Saturday with more news and current affairs from the Asia Pacific region, hopefully um, with a result from the Turkish elections and an interview about that. But for now, that's it from me, Giselle Hanna.
2: And me, James Barrett. And
0: coming up next is Palestine Remembered.